Good evening. Welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdahl. C70 is about at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Nichols from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Coming at you Sunday night. Cardinals are on TV. They would have probably been about done if it hadn't been for the rain delay that came uh, right beforehand. But they're playing on ESPN, playing the Braves, and have just... Draw had taken just taking a two to nothing lead, then gave that right up. And Tara, we were talking before the show. We'll just start in on this part. You know, you kind of you kind of hate to see a really good decision. Adam Wainwright's starting to maybe lose a little bit, and you bring in Ryan Helsley, your big time closer, your guy that gets the big outs, and you bring him into the most important part of the game. You like to see those decisions. You hate to see them blow up. Yeah, it was the right decision every bit of it until the one pitch. <laughs> right, right. Um, but how many times have we said in the last, gosh, five, six years, why can't the Cardinals manager come around to the idea of using your highest leverage reliever in the highest leverage moment? And it is a bit modern. It's not the, oh, well, my closer pitch is in the ninth, period. But it's managing to the the need of the game instead of sort of to the predetermined formula and we've said that over and over again it would be so much more justifiable in our minds to see at least that decision be made and say hey i'm going to put the best guy out there in the moment that could determine the game because the game as we all know is not always determined in the ninth inning it might be determined in the seventh inning. And when your starter has gone as far as he has putting up zeros against a team that has a legitimate shot at going back to the World Series, like this is a good Braves team, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, you do everything you can to protect that. And in this case, I-, I do think that Ryan Helsley is the most dependable reliever out of the Cardinals bullpen right now. He has the best odds of getting out of that situation without giving up a run. Um so right decision, bad results. It, it doesn't mean that the decision was any worse because of the results. It, it just is one of those things where baseball happened. And I think it helps now that Giovanni Gallegos has gotten to be fairly consistent lately. I mean, he, it's still maybe still a little bit of nerve, but he's pitched pretty well as a plate. So, you know, if Helsley gets out of that and pitches the eighth, you can turn it over to guy goes in the ninth or you might even you know you might have let Helsley go the whole way but you you could turn it over to guy goes in the ninth and and maybe feel pretty good about it now that said you know if the three-run home run had come in the bottom of the ninth off of guy goes instead then I think you know then you've got another uh can of worms that you've probably opened up there too well and I think too part of it is who are you more comfortable giving uh, a clean inning to versus Mm -hmm bringing in to that situation with runners at the corners. And as much as you're right, Gallegos has been better. I still would feel more comfortable with the higher strikeout probability (laughs) with uh, Ryan Helsley than uh, maybe a a different um, regularity of a a missed pitch from Gallegos, even as he's been better. So again, I think, I think in every way possible, you can defend that decision, regardless of the results. It just, of course, <laughs> looks a lot better, feels a lot better if the results match the wisdom of the decision in the first place. Well, sure. Much, much better. And while we're still on this game, we're, 
I'm watching it here on game day as, as things are go on and Yadier Molina just into the seventh by according to this swinging at a pitch somewhere in the other batter's box <laughs> and hitting into a double play you know I love the fact that Yadier Molina doesn't want to strike out and he can put the bat on the ball but when you are Yadier Molina and you cannot run I I feel like that's almost more of a detriment than a benefit right especially now at Yadier for this part of time of Yadier's career where it's not that he's flaring balls or getting base hits i mean it's more likely if he puts a bat on the ball it's got a good chance of being a double play if there's a runner on yeah i mean we've seen this sort of down swing from him before and mm-hmm. yeah i think that's sort of the roller coaster of the yadier molina experience down to the very end of his career which is hey there are going to be times where he has four hits in a night and you're like hmm, that's that's not what i saw coming uh, but there are going to be times where he has, you know, he doesn't have four hits in a week. And when he does make contact, it's a lot of double play balls. So, uh, you know, for someone who at times in his career has been so good at picking that opportune moment to slap something the other way and drive in a, a winning run, it's it's hard when he's kind of in really defensive protect mode, which doesn't, like you said, generally turn into okay he took a really really great at bat there and turned it around and was able to work a walk or something it doesn't it doesn't as often go that direction for him at this point and you know that's it's frustrating to immediately follow that big three run homer by uh, a momentum killer in the bottom of the inning with a, a molina double play and you're right. The the effort is not going to be there or the speed to outrun an infield hit most of the time. Um, so it just it's not to the point. Look, we've played this game before, too. Right. Is Yadier Molina in the lineup a liability? <laughs> is that going to be a problem at some point? We've also talked just in the last couple of weeks that there is a strongly different dynamic when he is behind the plate than the other catching options that the Cardinals have right now. And I don't, I wouldn't even pretend to suggest that that's not the case, but um, he's not the asset at the plate offensively that he has been at times in the past. And uh, boy, it's, I, I think this is that part of the season where the Cardinals are pressing towards the finish line of the regular season, but they don't have a ton of breathing room or they're really still pushing for whatever that mark is. And um, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of room for those at bats to go poorly consistently because in a game like tonight, it could cost you a a series win against a team that you're probably going to face competition equivalent to, or better than this team if you make it into the postseason. So I don't know. I guess all of that to say, I I feel like I'm reworking my emotions about Yadier Molina every other day, <laughs> because at this point it's just a, it's such a strange season for him. He has such a legacy. There's so much history there, and to be such a fan of everything that he has meant to this organization, you know, of course I want to say, hey, he's going to come up with with the big hit, or he is well within his rights to go back to Puerto Rico for a basketball game or whatever it is, right? <laughs> Um, then you watch the moments where he's not what he used to be. And it's like, okay, all right. I don't, I don't want this to minimize the significance of getting to watch these Molina at bats because he didn't come through that time. And maybe he would have in the past. 
yeah, Yeti has a OPS plus for the year of 41. I mean, that's that's not good. Meanwhile, um, Paul Goldschmidt's is 200. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to take the extremes on the team for sure. Uh, Yachty did not get a hit this week. Um, his last was, like you said, he had a three hit game against Arizona. Um, you know, what last, right before he went to Puerto Rico, he hasn't, he hasn't got a hit since he came back. Um, yeah. And then it's on the flip side of that, you know, Andrew Kisner in August is hitting 321. Um, and the team is 10 and one in games that he's appeared. Um, so I know that. Andrew Kisner is not Yadier Molina behind the plate. Nobody is going to be. Uh, and that is something that the Cardinals have to come to terms with going forward. Um, I do think Yadier's defense has been, from what I can tell, uh, you know, fairly solid this year. I mean, there he, he, does, he seems to be still has it behind the plate. And we've seen the pitching staff probably do a little bit better with him back there. But I got to say, I mean, I think we're getting to the point where you know, for the good of the team, Yachty catches Adam Wainwright and he probably catches one at a time and Kisner catches the three. I, I, but I just don't know that the team's going to do that, especially with, you know, a number of home games left where people want to see Yachty Molina on the last, right. you know, run of his career. I, I mean, it helps with the Cardinals. I mean, if they lose tonight, they'll have a five-game lead over the Brewers. Um, just still pretty good and they have a weaker schedule coming up so you know maybe you can get by with that um but i mean there's some tough conversations to be had for the postseason right i mean you know is it in the best case is the best interest of the cardinals to let andrew kisner catch most of you know or at least be out there because you need the bat versus what he can bring yadi can bring behind the plate you know, I understand that um, pros- the the prospect there. Mm-hmm. I think in some respects, this comes down to me uh, to a conversation we've had plenty of other times where if the rest of the lineup is what it's capable of being, maybe that at bat doesn't matter as much. Mm. Not that it isn't significant, but then you weigh that significance of okay is Yadier Molina's offensive ability going to make or break this team more than Yadier Molina's game calling ability and his defensive ability is Andrew well and I guess (laughs) at the end of the day for me to some degree if Andrew Kisner comes if if the the Cardinals ability in the postseason comes down to whether Andrew Kisner is hitting or not I feel like something else has gone horribly wrong <laughs> because the, that neither one of those guys is supposed to be the offensive crux of this team. And they haven't been all season. The Cardinals have been successful with or without production from the catcher's spot for most of this season on the offensive side of things. So I totally understand, you know, that thought process there. Hey, is this a, a more advantageous um, decision to let Andrew Kisner catch so that he can hit in the postseason where offense is going to come at a premium or is there going to be more need for Yadier Molina who has been there and done that a million times to Mm -hmm. be catching a pitching staff who outside of Adam Wainwright really hasn't is there more value 
with him behind the plate as opposed to <laughs> next to it on uh, the, the offensive side of things. And that's, like you said, a hard conversation. I don't pretend to have the right answer to that, um, but I, I certainly would not underestimate the significance of postseason Yadier Molina being on the field with a pitching staff that has at times sort of struggled through the motions a little bit to get to where they are at this point anyway. Um, maybe needing that that field general that Molina can be in a way that at this point Kisner can't. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I think that's a fair point. And um, we'll see. I'm sure that Yachty will be out there. Oh, okay. Tommy Edmund will homer. That's Oh, there you go. That, that's the way you fix that problem. All right. Um, anyway, yeah, there's definitely a, um, a value to that. And I know that Yachty's going to, I mean, the fact that there are a few, there's a couple of extra, or a couple of the rest days were taken out of the postseason this year yeah. um, might allow for Kisner to get a start right. here or there. But yeah, Yadier's going to catch most of it. And I mean, and again, this is his last run too. And it's sure. not all about, you know, sentiment, but there's a part of that there, yeah. right? I mean, you've, you've dealt, you've played on that all year long. It's very difficult to say, okay, now you go sit down. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so we'll see what they do. Um, you know, the, the positive thing is, I mean, right now, I think most of the odds are, you know, 98, 99% chance that the Cardinals are in the playoffs, um, which is not what we thought, <laughs> you know, beginning of this month. Yeah. So uh, it's a good, pl- a good discussion to have. Um, the Cardinals, unlike a couple of weeks that we've had recently did lose some games this week, but I don't know if we really need to talk too much about the Cubs series. It's always the Cubs and it's always nice to beat them. Mm-hmm. But this weekend, you know, they got beat around by Atlanta that first game. These last two games have kind of showed that they can play with Atlanta. They've proven they can play with New York, uh, the Yankees, even though the Yankees kind of dropped off after that. It feels like even if this team's not going to go into the postseason with the records and the stats that some of these other teams have, they're going to be just as much of a force as anybody else uh, when it comes down to it. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where timing is everything. <laughs> just mm-hmm. ask the Cardinals and the last two World Series titles they've they've won about mm-hmm. how important timing is and getting everything moving in the same direction, in the right direction, at the right time. You know, I think it's the reason that we often see a wildcard team go on to make a World Series appearance, right? Because you build on that momentum of getting hot at the right time. So the only thing I think that is going to be interesting to watch through this stretch where the Cardinals don't have the toughest schedule, except for that week with the Padres and the Dodgers and then the Brewers all on the road, um, is that, you know... We watched the 17-game win streak last year, right? And we were like, this is great, but is it happening at the wrong time? (laughs) Because inevitably, it's going to end. And then how do you kind of recreate that magic or a different kind of magic just very shortly before the postseason begins and try to capture that again? So, you know, I, I don't mind a few losses this week. In, in light of like, hey, okay, this gives everyone a chance to reset and a, a reason to reset and get things back on track. Because that, that timing thing, I, I, I know that the Cardinals have 
as of late been a second half team. It's very stressful for me to see them (laughs) figure it out late into the season and then not really have the time advantage of doing what the Yankees have done and dropping off a little bit and then figuring out again, just in time for the postseason, how to be the winning team that they were all season. That to me seems much more uh, uh, relaxing as a fan to watch when there is time on your side. But you're right. They've been in a good position. That five game lead, if they, you know, have between four and six games, I mean, that's comfortable enough to not feel like every game is is do or die. And the schedule is in their favor, even if there is maybe <laughs> I guess I keep coming back to this timing thing because I, I there are times where I'm like, I wish the season would just end when they're on this hot streak <laughs> instead of trying to make them extend it or come down from the high and then get back to it. It's like any other competition, right? We've talked before. I have worked a lot in the figure skating world. And, um, you know, all these athletes will talk very seriously about how they pace themselves for a competition. And you'll hear swimmers talk about tapering before an event so that they save their energy for just the right time. Or these in the figure skating world, they'll they'll try not to do back-to-back competitions because they can't stay on that high for so long without crashing and they have to come down and then build back up. It's a whole thing. And maybe that just messes with my brain a little bit <laughs> when I see the number of games that are left and the fact that they either have to maintain this pace or come a little off of it so that they can build back up to it at the end. And that doesn't always work that way in baseball, but we've just seen so many times where the team that gets hot at the end of the season um, times that out so beautifully that they carry that momentum through a postseason run. And um, that's a lot of fun to watch. So I'm hoping for that. And uh, (laughs) the timing of it all just scares me a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, I think, to some degree, baseball defies explanation too, because you're right. right. We have seen teams that have you know, like Colorado that year that just, you know, ran through mm, yeah. September and then all the way to the world series before running into the Red Sox, um, you know, the Cardinals of 11 and, and things of that nature. But we've also seen teams that are, you know, rushing into the playoffs that, you know, then they run into a, you know, a really good team and they lose in the first round, you know, or something like that. Um, it's, it's hard to know. It's, it's, you have to tell the story after the fact to some yeah. degree, um, you know, you don't know exactly what it's going to be, um, coming in. You, you, I mean, and even so we've seen teams, I think also we've seen teams that lose, you know, eight of their last 10 and people are like, oh, they've, you know, slumping and then they go on and, you know, it's like, you know, October is a whole brand new thing. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, hopefully, I mean, this is a team that, of course, you know, for sentiment, you want them to win. But when you look at what this team is doing right now, I mean, not only, you know, they've got their star. They've got Paul Goldschmidt. They've got Nolan Arenado. You know, the pitching staff may not have anybody at that level, but Miles Michaelis and Adam Wainwright have pitched into the Cy Young fringe of the Cy Young conversation. You know, those people, others receiving votes type of categories. Um, but you've also got the role players. You've got Lars Nukbar, who is, you know, hitting home runs. He doesn't even know he hit, uh, last tonight. Um, you've got Corey Dickerson, who was one, what, one day away from being waived. Pretty much. It felt like at least from the fans point of view back early in the year, coming up and getting 10 straight hits this week, setting, you know, setting a Cardinal team record. Um, you've got role players here and there that, this team, you know, you've got lefties, you've got righties, they're platooning. This team feels like a complete 
team. It's not perfect team, but it's a more complete team than I think we've seen in quite some time. Yeah. I don't want to let um, Brendan Donovan go too far under the radar either because mm-hmm. he's another one that maybe doesn't get as many opportunities. But when he has them, he has, for the most part, taken advantage of them in some really critical moments that turned into wins for this team. And you're right. We haven't seen all those pieces come together in quite a long time. And to be perfectly honest, I think it still starts with Paul Goldschmidt being mm-hmm. Paul Goldschmidt because we've talked a number of times, Hey, the Cardinals don't have that billboard player type guy, right? They don't, they don't have the the guy that's pulling all the headlines. And so you can't build around anything else. They have a lot of role player types, but not the superstar. Well, all of a sudden this season, I love that it's Paul Goldschmidt. Look, don't get me wrong. Nolan Arnato is remarkable. And without Paul Goldschmidt in the mix, he would be in the, the MVP conversation for everyone everywhere. But I kind of love that it's Paul Goldschmidt that is having this season, being the guy that a lot of us, myself included, spent some time thinking, okay, is he is he going to come to St. Louis and one, is he going to be able to live up to the expectations everyone has of him? And two, is he going to be too old to really have that kind of impact? Like, is this a few years too late for Paul mm-hmm. Goldschmidt right. to be the guy? Right. And absolutely not. I mean, I was just <laughs> watching on ESPN and they, they threw up the OPS plus numbers that show that he's having a better season this year as a St. Louis Cardinal, according to OPS plus, than even Albert Pujols ever did in his prime. Yeah. It's absurd yeah. how good he has been this year. And I think, look, it's it's maybe too easy to say that that's the difference. But I think that difference allows a player like Lars Newtbar or Brendan Donovan or even Paul DeYoung to just be the guy that they are, to be the role player, and not to have to try to force that to be the face of the organization type, which we have seen so many times where it's like, oh, this is this is Harrison Bader's team now. And we're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> That's <laughs> nothing against Harrison Bader, but I don't I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he needs to be that guy. And I don't think the team's gonna be the most successful it can be if that's you know, if that's how you're trying to build this into a, a successful formula. So I agree. It's more complete. I think it starts from the likes of Paul Goldschmidt rediscovering whatever it is that made him so great all those years ago and is making him even better now. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, I think I saw something on Twitter today that was, uh, you know, who's more significant to the Cardinals, Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Arenado? And I personally can't separate the two because I don't think you get this year of Paul Goldschmidt without also having Nolan Arenado. And I don't think you get the rest of those role player types having these brilliant moments without Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, both in the conversation for MVP. I think it all fits together. And if you try to separate them and say one is more valuable than the other, yes, Paul Goldschmidt's stats alone have been the driving factor of the Cardinals offense. But all of that hinges on all those other pieces being what they need to be, too. I would also say that weeks ago, uh, I sort of uh, boldly pronounced that Lars Newtbar was going to be the NLCS MVP. So just throwing <laughs> that out there. <laughs> just and primarily every, because it will annoy everyone. I to say, everybody goes, it screams fan. cardinal devil magic and, yeah, uh, exactly. and all that for sure. <laughs> um yeah, I, I honestly I kind of love this pairing of 
Goldie and Arenado because oh, it's you know Goldschmidt being that you know calm, reserved, you know, uh, and and Nolan being this super fiery guy as we saw yeah. this week when he got tossed out of a game for arguing a check swing. You know, I just I, those two work so well together, and of course being on the opposite sides of the the infield, and you know, I think the the steadiness of Goldie at first allows Nolan to be even more flamboyant uh, with his plays at third base. So, I mean, you're right. This team would be good with just one of them, but it's something special with both of them. Of course, and they both just strike out swinging or strike (laughs) out in this inning. So uh, maybe we should stop talking about them. Um, Sorry Sorry, guys. Sorry for the uh, broadcaster jinx only podcast style. (laughs) Yeah. We'll we'll see if, uh, Tyler O'Neill can come through then hopefully. So um anyway. So yeah, it's a uh, it's been an interesting week. It's been, you know, like I said, we've had highlights here and there. We've seen fairly good pitching. Um Jack Flaherty had a good rehab. I have, I have not seen today. I don't know if they've announced yet um what his next plan is. I, I think, think I saw one more rehab start on Wednesday. Okay, that was my guess because otherwise they'd have to make a roster move. Um, He can come up with the rosters expanding on Thursday. He can then come up and they don't necessarily have to do anything. Um, That said, you know, it's been good, but there are some some cracks. We saw uh, Genesis Cabrera struggle again. And then I was very surprised that they went to this route. Not that it was wrong, but they demoted him to Memphis this week. I do think it's something that nobody has really, that I've seen really talked much about, but a lot of people have tied Cabrera's uh, decline to um, his uh, four inning stint that he had against the Cubs. Um, But I was looking, he had a COVID um, situation. I I think we forget he went on the COVID IL right there at the beginning of July. I don't know if that's some of it as well, but you know, Cabrera has really, really fallen off to the fact that, I mean, when was like, I mean, to, to see him go to Memphis is almost inexplicable to some degree. Yeah. Uh, first of all, Tyler O'Neill getting that three run Homer back. Yeah. That <clears> helps. <throat> I like that. That'll work. <laughs> That'll work. Um, but yes, as far as Cabrera is concerned, look, first of all, having, <laughs> having just gone through the whole COVID situation uh, <laughs> in our own family, um, the, the thing that's so hard to gauge is how it affects someone. Or how it doesn't affect someone. And, you know, I know people who have been well relatively for weeks and still fight fatigue that just doesn't make any sense. Um, And certainly if that's part of the the process, then by all means, give him a chance to take a take a break in some way and kind of get things back on track without being in the high pressure, high leverage, high expectations. environment of the big league team but whether it's related to any sort of lingering issues from COVID or not I think that what I just said still applies I think if there if somehow he got out of whack whether it's in four innings against the Cubs or or whatever it might be um, he's still young and still raw and this is a lot to put on his shoulders we saw guys put into those positions including Cabrera last season where we both kind of said, 
this feels like a lot. This feels yeah. like we're expecting them to do things that they have never done before, that they have never felt before in terms of the expectations and the pressure. Um, and the stakes are really high that if they fail, it's not just, okay, go back to the drawing board, see what we learned from this. It's, hey, we might be done for the year. <laughs> and that's a lot to put on to put on a guy like that. So look, we've seen this with even this season, Paul DeYoung on the offensive side. We saw it years ago with Colton Wong, who spent a little time at Memphis. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, that gave him the breathing room he needed to work through whatever the issue was without the intensity of the pressure of the the major leagues. And the minor league seasons are wrapping up here pretty shortly. So there's not going to be a lot of time to take advantage of those sorts of moves, um, you know, further down the stretch. I think to me, Cabrera is still that guy that has this wild potential. And I use the word wild on purpose because it <laughs> there's the, the ceiling is so high, but it feels like once it's off, once he's a little off, whether it's a confidence thing or a focus thing or in like a physical mechanics thing. And to me, I, I feel like it's more mechanical just because it can go so bad so quickly and then look really great the next time out after he's fixed it. Um, that maybe this is just the better option to let him work through that without potentially costing really important games. And, and, conversely letting someone in that bullpen who maybe doesn't have the same high ceiling but has a little bit more um dependable performance at this point although that's been a little hard to come by out of the bullpen this this season as well because bullpens are gonna bullpen um but that would be my hope and and to me the reason that even a surprising move like that might actually be the right thing because again (laughs) The results don't dictate whether it was a good move or not. It just maybe gives him a better chance to make the corrections with some really focused attention and then go back into a position where he can he can be effective at the big leagues. The last thing I'll say, I also think there's, there's a really serious piece of that with a pitcher like Cabrera. Um, we've seen him, like I said, be really wild to the point where it's almost dangerous. And... Yeah. If his mechanics are out of whack, I would stop it right now and (laughs) go back to whatever it is they have to fix to get him right because he's too good to make those big mistakes and then let them sort of compound by getting so wild that, you know, it's it's actually risky to leave him out there, especially with a three batter minimum rule where if you see that he's wild, you can't do anything about it until, you know, he hits somebody or or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I will point out, um, and it's you, it's different than it used to be. Uh, Memphis still has another month uh, right. of, of baseball, and uh, Springfield goes till the middle of next month instead of you know what it used to be. They'd be finishing up this yeah. weekend. Yeah. Well, the, um, the the lower levels I think are finishing yeah. this weekend, and then yeah, the others are extended. Yeah. Yeah. The first the, top, the lower levels do I think wrap up, but it's, it's a little bit interesting because and again that was the thing you know people were saying you know pointed out. You know, Yepes and um, and Cabrera being optioned down meant they can't come back for ten or fifteen days, depending on right. which, you know pitcher you're talking about. Instead of being able to come back, um, you know, this weekend or whatever. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I. I mean, your bullpens are going to bullpen. You're right. Um, <laughs> a guy that's great 
one year is probably not going to be two years later. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm interested to see how he does in Memphis, but I can't imagine. I can't really imagine a scenario where they trust him a whole lot in the, in the postseason. Yeah. You know? Which um, is interesting because I think they want to. Yeah. And I think yeah. that, that, that high ceiling is so tempting <laughs> that they want to use that weapon out of the bullpen. But if it's a control issue that, like I said, can go south so quickly, it is hard to trust that. And it is hard to say, okay, which which version are we going to get at this point and right. feel confident with that decision, especially yeah. with the leverage of the postseason. Right. I mean, Alan and I were talking about it on Meet Me Usual this week. And I pointed out, you know, since whatever that was, you know, the last um, two months, basically, or whatever, you know, he's got an ERA of six, seven, whatever it may be, but probably more than half of his appearances, he's had a scoreless outing, you know, right. it's just when it's off, it's really, yeah. really off. Uh, we saw that in Colorado where he gave up four runs and got nobody out. And we saw that, you know, the last couple of outings has, have been a struggle. So you're right, uh, especially with a three better minimum, it's very difficult to, to, to say, oh, oh, he's he's not good. Um, and just watch that train wreck happen until you can get somebody else out there. That's my uh, big, n- not that we have time for a, an epic rant on this, but that's my biggest <laughs> frustration with that rule is that I have yeah. seen way too many times where, yes, for the sake of the game, but more importantly, for the safety of the athletes, it is not okay to leave someone in there, but you can't do anything about it. I, I just feel like for the purpose of the rule, I don't know that it's really made a big difference. And I think that it has probably cost games more than it has helped them from the pitching mm-hmm. side of things. And I just, I don't, I get very nervous when it's very evident that a pitcher does not have control and does not have the ability to release a hundred mile an hour baseball and know where it's going to go. And that scares me. And I, like I said, that's not, no, 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 no time for that further rant, but just as a side note, that's my biggest yeah. problem with that rule. Yeah. I mean, we saw that, what was it? Two years ago now or whatever, whenever Cabrera hit yeah. Bryce Harper and after it hit, after he hit uh, somebody else, I don't remember who it was now. Um, and it was like, and he still had to pitch to the third batter. Right. And it was like, eh, this is not, you don't need this. Can you imagine being that third batter? I would not. <laughs> I'm just bailing out real hard <laughs> if anything's close. Walk in there, lay down in the water's <laughs> box and say, yeah. just do whatever you need to do. <sighs> um, yeah, I mean, the, the rule, rule didn't make a whole lot of sense in general. No. Um, I wonder if at some point, if a pitch clock does come, which seems to be inevitable, just like most of these other changes that have somewhat made baseball a little bit I don't want to say unrecognizable than what it used to be, but definitely different than it used to be. If a pitch clock comes, if that rule goes away, because part of what you, uh, the savings that you're getting um, with pitchers throwing means you can afford to make pitching changes. I don't know. I assume that doesn't seem like a rule that they've discussed removing over yeah, the last few years. Which is, which is I was going to say, I, I know the players union doesn't have a lot of leverage. Um, so they got to kind of pick their battles. Right. But it's surprising to me that that's one that hasn't had more traction for a number of different reasons. One, it eliminates a specialist role, which right. players don't like. Um, but two, again, the, the safety factor seems like it would be really important to me as a hitter to say like, hey, I don't I don't like a rule that endangers me. <laughs> 
So yeah. maybe we should change that. But uh, again, I'm not a professional athlete, so maybe it's more of a big deal to me than it is to them. Who knows? I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, you're right. I wonder with the way they have pitching staffs now. You know, it has at least it seems to be the rule, at least for this year, was you know evenly balanced. You know, hitters and pitchers. I wonder even if you got rid of that rule, if the specialist would return mm, yeah, too true. much just because of taking up a spot in your um, bullpen for a guy like that. I, I don't know. Um, Probably not in the way that it was in the Tony Lusa heyday right. of the loogie, right? Right. Um, but I imagine you would see a little bit different um, structure in terms of an inning with, with matchups. And yeah, again, just the flexibility of something's going horribly wrong. You're not stuck in it for three batters. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it, it's, it's very interesting. And I guess to some degree it is, I mean, maybe goes along hand in glove with some of the other decisions we're talking about, but you know, nowadays when you know so much about, you know, hitters and tendencies and to be able right. to maximize that, but then again, they're trying to figure out a way to actually have offense. That's not just home runs. So <laughs> True. Um, maybe that doesn't help that in regard. Um, before we wrap it up though, we should also talk, I mean, like I said, Cabrera was probably the big one. We've seen a lot less of Dylan Carlson this week. Yeah. Um, four three or four games probably at least in a row where he didn't start um he did start tonight um marmol said to some degree it's a factor of you know Corey dickerson and, and lars newtbar hitting so well um and there was some stuff that the carlson needs to work on um i you know it's just uh, i think we'll probably see some more of that i you know again it's one of those how do you get better if you're not getting, you know, seeing live pitching on the regular yeah. basis? Um, but I think it's just another way of showing that Ollie Marmol doesn't necessarily have a sacred cow, right? I mean, right. he's going to, uh, yeah, he'll give some deference to Molina and Pujols and people like that, but and balance some of that. But he's going to try to win the ball game, and and if it's, you know, if somebody's not producing, then then they're probably not playing as much. Yeah. It's very interesting to me to see this dynamic developing because I think there are sort of extremes that we could see. Well, maybe not extremes. One, one extreme in particular um, that is a little concerning to me, but I think in general, it's more in line with kind of how we want a manager to think as fans, which is this is my best option to win the game. And the object of playing is to win the game. Mm-hmm. Now we have heard many different managers from different teams, different organizations, whatever, say something to the effect that, you know, you sometimes have to manager for the week, not for the day. And we all know that that's the case. Um, you know, if if someone needs those at-bats at the beginning of the week so that at the end of the week they're back on track, okay, maybe you make different choices than thinking exclusively about that day and that game. But I think in general, we we tend to like that sort of aggressive approach that says, hey, this is what's working. This is, you know, we're not going to just let ourselves flail around and fail um, in order to maybe try to fix things for later. Now, what does concern me a little bit, maybe this is a little bit of a uh, flashback to days gone by where uh, uh, one Colton Wong was buried on the <laughs> roster because oh, he needed to work on things. Um which never really held up in light of the production that was happening 
um, over him. You know, it wasn't like the guys who were playing in his place were these really huge contributing factors. So I, I would say maybe I'm a little wary of playing the hot hand to such a degree that a guy who goes over four one night is going to be worried that he's not going to play for three days. Right. That's not a great habit to get into either, but I do think that at this point of the season, (laughs) I was just talking about how timing is working out. And, you know, if you have a chance to win a series and the guy who maybe is supposed to be your regular center fielder is struggling at that point or struggles against right-handed pitching, and you're going to see a lot of it in this series, then maybe you do take advantage of having someone else who is currently playing really well and can give you a better option in that moment. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those things that I think as a manager, you really have to learn how to balance in terms of how to play for the moment without costing yourself down the line, which is also the thing that we say about pitching changes and and bullpen decisions quite often, right? right? Is that, you know, you can't put Ryan Helsley out there every single game without hurting yourself down the line when he suddenly can't pitch for five days. (laughs) So it's a balance. Um, I think as far as Carlson is concerned, it's a little odd to see someone who is so highly touted um, and so highly treasured within the organization kind of take a back seat. But he is still young and he does still need to work on some things. And if this was a better chance to give him a little time to work in the cages and, and work on mechanics or whatever it is before you expose him to a a pitching staff, that's going to make him look bad and hurt the confidence even more. I don't know. Those are all things that probably come into play in a decision like that. Uh, But for those of us who are just fans and don't actually know anything about what's going on <laughs> behind the scenes, you look at a roster day after day and you go, okay, you didn't want to trade Dylan Carlson for Juan Soto. So where is Dylan Carlson? Right. And it's easy to kind of have that reaction too. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's a long-term thing. I mean, and you'd right. rather have Carlson be really good for four five, six years, you know, because he's worked on stuff now versus yes. having him out there and having him never be able to, you know, make the next step or really struggle to get there. So um, it is something, but it is interesting to see. I, and again, you're right. I mean, just to see how, how Ollie does a lot of this stuff. I'm, I'm really interested to see where he fits into the manager of the year situation. I mean, it's again, I'm not yeah. sure that that's an award that necessarily means a lot, um, but it is, I mean, for a guy that, you know, that is new to the league. It has... Yeah, I was going to say, I think it does in your first year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it probably does in your first year. And then if you've been around for a really long time and didn't win it <laughs> when you should have. <laughs> um, but I do think it says something uh, when this is a team that has put a lot of pieces together this year. And if he pulls the right strings down the stretch and, you know, gives them a great chance at the postseason, I, I think... I think it would mean a lot in terms of how the league views him in year one if he's in that conversation. Maybe. CB Buckner, not going to vote for him, however. Um, <laughs> well, that's, I, I think the feeling's probably mutual. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. All right. Well, Cardinals did pull the game out after the, you know, the home run from O'Neill. Uh, Guy Gus came in and took care of the ninth. So Cardinals remain six games. Just up like Marmol drew it up. 
Yeah, I mean that was the plan. <laughs> I mean, obviously, this he knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, Cardinals uh, have a st- is a weird. Look. I mean, the schedule. I mean, and we don't even want to talk about next year's schedule because <laughs> we don't have time for that rant for me. But the schedule this year is even weird, right? I mean, oh, they sure. come home for this last month is just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's just they're they're bouncing here and there. They're playing. Um, let me pull it up before I talk too much. And, um, of course it's going to take a while, but you know, they had that set where they were at home, then they went out to Colorado, then they came back home. Um, you know, they've come home for the Braves after being in Chicago. Then they go to the Reds for three games and then they come back home for a set with the Cubs. (laughs) They stay home for the Nationals. They go to Pittsburgh for three days, come back home. I mean, it is, it is weird. Uh, Cardinals have a lot of home games left. They have, yeah. um, but this week, you get a little bit of a, I mean, I don't want to say a breather because the Cardinals haven't necessarily had a hard road as of late anyway, <laughs> but you get three with the Reds, a Reds team that is, that hasn't been good all year and looks significantly different than it was the last time the Cardinals played them. Right. Um, they get an off day on Thursday and then they get a weekend series with the Cubs at home. And we, like I said, that, those series are always kind of iffy, but it's, you know, the Cubs are not a great team either. So the Cardinals really just have to kind of hold serve a little bit um, with that lead over the Brewers. And I know Brewers fans, especially over the last couple of days, kept thinking they're going to make some ground up and all that. And then the Cardinals <laughs> keep dashing those hopes. So it's starting to feel, and again, there's September. You just never know. But it's really kind of starting to feel like, you can start looking ahead to the postseason and not necessarily worry about the day to day. Yeah, it, it's getting that feeling. I mean, I think we've seen crazier things happen, so I'm not willing to right. go all the way there yet with my expectations. Right. But it does feel like this is a team that did come into form at a really good time, and uh, the Brewers kind of collapsed in on themselves, which helped create that cushion a little bit. And now looking at it, like I said, there's that one big week that looks like a bit of a gauntlet. But um, you know, if they kind of hold serve and and do what they have been doing it looks like you know you can start making some of those plans at least looking at the how the postseason is lining up with this new format and seeing who they're going to play and where and all those sorts of things yeah should be interesting and we'll continue to be here every week to talk about it uh on the way there and hopefully deep into october but until next week for tara i'm daniel good night Hey, Cardinals fans, thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.